Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey y'all, it's Joy Marie and Courtney, and we're back with another episode of Jaw Blogs. Yes, candid career conversations straight to you on the 1st and 15th of every month. Yep, and if you love the show, share it with a friend or a coworker. Coming up, in the spirit of honestly what's shaped up to be one of the most epic Black History Months ever. In our lifetime, for the age. <laughs> yeah, I know. Our parents are, are probably like, what are you talking about? We are blessed people. We are giving you a taste of our recent live show. So we joined the employee, the Black Employee Networks from Time Inc. and American Express to mm-hmm. celebrate the power of our culture. Yes, and not just our influence, but the force of that buying power and ideas. And we had a great conversation with some dynamic entrepreneurs and business owners shaking up their industries. So we're going to give you a first listen right here. So stay tuned. Yep. We're keeping Black History Month going all year long. Every month is Black (laughs) History Month. But first, you guys know we like to check in, clock in, see Mm -hmm. how we're each doing personally and professionally. And as always, we recommend that you make it a habit to do this with your friend, family, yes. professional circle. Yes, yes, yes. How are you? I'm doing fab. I'm doing fab. You look fab. Thank you. It's a highlighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. I recently wrapped up a fact-finding mission. We, I've been, I think I've mentioned on the show that I'm really interested in real estate. Yes. So I went and kind of met with some realtors in my you know, Target City. Hmm. And that was really great because I was telling you, Joy, like I have like massive anxiety about it. And just going and like riding around and looking at properties and seeing opportunities and talking to like realtors who are just, this is like a part of what they do. Like mm. it's not like this epic thing for them. Mm. It really just brought home like starting is kind of the best remedy yes oh my gosh I love that I love that because I feel like we talk to so many people every day who have this big idea like Mm -hmm. whatever it is if it's a business or a job or thing you want to do or getting into real estate and it could be so overwhelming when you're sitting behind a computer doing your googles but I love that like when you made it tangible, all of a sudden you were Right, like, you just get excited yeah, about it rather yeah. than scared. So, yes, that That's was great for me. Also a major adulting move, so oh kudos my to you. Oh, yes. But what about you? What's happening? I'm good. The year's off to an amazing start. I have absolutely no complaints. I feel like I'm forming really meaningful connections with people and just attracting good opportunities. Um Going back to that spirit of gratitude. But I will say one lesson that has kind of manifested itself to me in the last couple of weeks has been patience. Mm, <laughs> um, and okay. I think like we talk a lot about patience broadly, but honestly, I personally struggle a lot with not being very impulsive and not mm. always needing to see the instant gratification or outcome of okay. something that I've done. So most recently, like I've, you know, I've reached out, I've tried to make a few connections, I've started getting the ball rolling with a few things. And I'm having to just be at peace with the fact that I'm not going to see the outcome of those actions. Mm-hmm. 
for months, maybe even years in some some cases. So yeah. that's been it's it's hard because I, I try to control it by like following up or is there anything else I can do? Do you need any more info? But it's like, no, you have to sometimes you have to yeah, do as go. much as you can and then let go and let God or, you know, just let it happen. So. Yeah. Oh, patience is so hard to learn. Yeah. It is. And it's, I mean, it's the worst. It's kind of <laughs> overrated. But, you know, what's also good about it, um, and I feel like even with dating and stuff, because what's good about it is, like, in the stillness of that patience, a mm. lot of times your perspective changes for the better, too. Like, mm. you're able to really reflect and be like, well, was he all of that? Or, yeah. you know, like, do I really want that job? Yeah. So I think... The times I've been sort of forced <laughs> mm-hmm. to be patient, I've always been grateful for it because I've a lot of times my perspective has totally changed. Yeah, that's yeah. a blessing. What's going on in the world, though? You know, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world <laughs> because it's still Wakanda forever. It is Wakanda forever. It is. We could talk about it. It's been a couple weeks. Like people, I mean, we won't give spoilers or anything, but honestly, whatever. Y'all yeah, should have y'all should have been seeing it. <laughs> If you haven't seen us, stop the podcast right now and go see it. But I think just sitting in the theater and, you know, as a black American, I feel like Africa has, I mean, I even feel like it definitely has just like, it's this like almost abstract mythology already, I feel Mm. like, in black American culture. It's Mm. like the thing, you know, you've descended from kings and queens Mm. and like, you know, it almost has, like, this, like, heavenly aspect yeah. to it. Like, it's the thing you return to, yeah. and you kind of build it up. Like, we don't know what these fabrics mean, but we're yeah. wearing them. Yeah. And to kind of see it, like, the opening scenes for Wakanda, and it's, like, so, it's shot Majestic. like it's utopia. Yes. And then the drums are happening, oh. and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was smiling from ear to ear. And I love your perspective, too, because as a, I'm first-generation African-American mm-hmm. from Ghana, so uh, I think more closely connected with my Ghanaian roots. But I, I love that that dynamic and that juxtaposition was raised in the film. Like, mm-hmm. it is so important for us to just be connected as a diaspora, but yeah. also to recognize the nuance and cultural differences yeah. of Afro-Latinas, of, you know, Cuban-Americans, of African-Americans, of West Africans, of South Africans. Mm-hmm. And they just, Ryan Coogler just, like, addressed it all so yeah. beautifully. And so refreshing to see that conversation happening. Because even visually, you have Black people from all around the globe yes. in this film. Yeah. And it's talking about a major theme of it is, like, that returning home and whether... We are connected. Mm-hmm. And that's like a conversation that just like black people have. Yeah. That yeah. I don't even know exactly. if mainstream is aware of that. Exactly. And just like the ode to heritage, to colors, to music, to history, to ancestors. Um, and then just like I love that Wakanda was portrayed as this wealthy technologically mm-hmm. innovative forward-thinking nation and i loved that juxtaposition of like the third world country thing and it's like yeah people say that all the time and that term bothers me so much because it's like sure you know if you're rating someone based on gdp or how developed they are on your scale you might say yes you're a third world you're underdeveloped but the richness there is the yeah. community the the mm-hmm. spirit like That's how true. people bind mm-hmm. together and so 
For me, that's a life lesson because it's like you can't look at something and and not assign it value. Like value is much deeper than yeah. all of those things. And so, yeah, I don't. I just you know, I and go I'm addicted <laughs> to like all the memes and yes! the, all the commentary People that coming. is coming out of it. I love it. <laughs> and one thing um, that stood out to me, I was listening to Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm. Um, well-known writer and intellectual, and he writes the Black Panther comic series now. Right. And he was on the Still Processing podcast talking about the movie. Oh, nice. And one point they brought up was kind of this parallel between Wakanda and how they struggle with kind of isolating themselves versus revealing themselves mm-hmm. to the world. Yep. And the parallel of that in just Black culture, period. Yeah. Yeah. And how we all, we're always negotiating, like, how much to reveal yes. of ourselves yeah. and, like, how conversation about appropriation, like, all this stuff is linked to, like, whether our power is just kind of being mined mm. and used to profit off of mm. or kind of enrich someone else's yeah. culture based or kind of honor like honoring our yeah culture. keeping it within yeah, yeah yeah I loved that narrative too there's so much like I want it Ryan Coogler's done a couple interviews just dissecting certain scenes so oh I love that accent yeah. and watching it <laughs> So good, y'all. But I mean, you guys send us your takes and yes. what you're linking back to work and life and stuff. Like, I could talk about, we will talk about Wakanda okay. forever. All right. <laughs> Okay, guys, now it's time for rants, raves, and reviews. This is the segment of the show where we usually highlight products, services, tools, or experiences that we're currently loving or hating in our professional lives. During our live show, however, we played a very special round of rants, raves, and reviews that we dubbed affectionately. Stolen from the Blacks. Stolen from the Blacks. A community collective rant, you know, (laughs) just speaking on the vibranium that has been stolen. (laughs) So now you're missing out on these amazingly shady, shady slides that Joy pulled together. (laughs) So if you want to see like Kim K and her Boderic braids, this basic starter kit. Or a struggle mac and cheese. Oh my God. We're going to post the video on social. So look out for that. First up, first basic. Now, the rebranding <laughs> of basic, I rebuke it. Because back in my day, PG County, Maryland, circa 2000, yes. you were there. Basic was a low blow insult. It was. Like if somebody called me basic, that was like, you simple, you're not worth the time, That's you're true. unoriginal, you don't have the range. But now, <laughs> the girls are like, oh my God, pumpkin spice latte, hashtag team basic. And I don't understand it's it. It's true. It's true. So my vote is that if you want to go around calling yourself basic, they you can, can have, have it. it. You can have it. We're cool. Does anybody disagree? Voting. Y'all. Do we okay. want it? Can they have it? All right. They can have it. Next up, bye, Felicia. Bye. Bye, Felicia. How, oh, some of y'all are like, no, we're not. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. What's what's the problem with this? My what, problem, where did we go they wrong? don't know who Felicia is, is my problem. <laughs> like, and you're missing out on the nuance of the term. Like, if I'm saying by Felicia, I'm implying, like, right. crackhead behavior tendencies. <laughs> it's layers to the term, and right. you're not even appreciating the full breadth of it. 
That's true. So are we keeping it or are we letting it go? Let it go? Really? Y'all just going to let ice cubes work go? <laughs> just give it up. No fight. All right. We're, we're, yes. we're, we're lukewarm Support. on that. We're Come undecided. On. All right. Keep it moving. Becky with the Joy, good hair. You made this slide. <laughs> <laughs> this shady, shady slide. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm, I don't need it. You don't need it? I don't need it. I'm good. I mean, I don't make the habit of telling Beyonce what to do with her things. So if she wants it back, Parkwood legal department seems like they want it back. I abstain. I'm agnostic. Okay. I'll let the Carters handle it. We're going to let that go. But um, just can we just say pause? That's not a good thing. Like to, you can't call yourself Becky with the good hair again. Another. It was a read. It wasn't a compliment. But continue. <laughs> Shade. Now I feel like this isn't okay. Some of y'all are like. It didn't leave. It got taken though. But you know what? This is an, this is another issue. They can't throw it, yeah. but they say it. That's true. Do y'all see this? Like, <laughs> it's a disconnect. <laughs> the publication is like so and so through shade, and it's like, what, what do you understand? Where is the shade? The di- right, the I didn't, shade I should that. be discreet. It should be. You should hear. It. You should think about it. Like two days later, you're like, mm. <laughs> they shading me. I don't see the thing about shade though. It's it's not ours to take. Back. And that's another thing because I got shade from black gay men. Learn from the best. So. Part of me feels like it's not even my place to say we right. want it back. But I still want it back. Because shade is it's too good to let go. It's That's too true. good. All right. Keeping it moving. Mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? This is a sad, sad, sad. But, you know, my issue isn't even struggle mac and cheese because struggle mac and cheese knows no color. It's I have true. gone to a church repast and seen some things. <laughs> my issue is like, let's put squash in it. Let's make it with avocado. Yeah. Let's make it an entree. It's a side. What it's are we side. doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not letting we this want it one back. go. It's ours. This is your personal, like, vendetta. This is a personal qualm of mine, because when I have to go to Williamsburg and you quote me $200 for some acrylics, when I was in the Bronx getting it done five years ago for $20, that's a problem. Um, Granted, fair wages for nail tax, yes. So there has to be a happy middle ground, but you're not going to put a little triangle on my nail and charge me $200. That's... That's problematic. I want it back. You want it back? I want it back. Okay. I support you. All right. Last but not least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. I have so many feelings about this. I have so many feelings. Talk to us. I don't even know if I can publicly get into all right, of them. Right, right. This is my issue. One, we want it back. It's a favor because a lot of y'all don't look good in them. Thank like they're later. coming, they're unraveling the edges. 
just like let us have something. <laughs> let us have it. Yeah. And I'll let you have your sandals, Mama. You're on vacay. <laughs> have it. Like have it for a week. But we're not going to walk up in here renaming things. It's true. We're not going to come up in here saying, oh, I have the Bo Derricks in my box no. raisin. Like, Don't no. Do Don't do it. No. All right. Like, y'all have been rocking French braids only since pre-K, and all of a sudden, <laughs> y'all invented stuff. No. We want it back. Yep. I want it back. We left a lot out. Like, we cut, like, half the list off yes. <laughs> for the show. But let us know what you would add to the list. Add us with your stolen from the Blacks pics. Can't we wait can't to wait to see, see it. it. <laughs> we had an amazing group of Black entrepreneurs come through to share insights on not only the impact of Black influence, but also how to leverage that in business and serve our communities. So uh, check out some of their great feedback. But we also have to give a special shout out to Melissa Butler, founder and CEO of The Lip Bar. Yes. Like two days after, she announced that her products are now available in Target. So slice, 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 slice. Yes, girl. Major. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us. We're so excited to be here with you all. Let's get into it. So last year, Nielsen reported that hip-hop and R&B was the top consumed genre in the country for the first time, according to their data. Um, We have, black people have about $1.1 trillion in buying power, and that's going to go up in the next three or four years. But I feel like that's nothing new to this room. Like, we all know that. We know our influence on the culture. Um, And we permeate every space, fashion, travel, retail, whatever you you can think of, we are there. So today we're really excited to have you guys here to talk about regaining our culture, regaining our influence. You all are successful business owners who are doing this every day and disrupting your fields and industries. So we're going to get into it. Yes. So little icebreaker to help you guys uh, warm up to the room and to like, you know, let the rage fall behind us. Um, so we want to know, what is your entry in your Black Gratitude Journal? Little things that you are thankful for, for being Black. I am personally thankful for the silk bonnet that allowed this twist out to happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's start with Miss Evita Robinson, founder of No Madness Travel Tribe, an online social community, and the first of its kind for over 16,000 travelers of color. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody. All right, so in my gratitude, I'm going to say the nod, um, mm, the nod of recognition, because uh, coming from an international scope and, you know, being around the world, having nomadist members around the world, I, that nod has saved lives in Japan, <laughs> <laughs> in India, in, you know, being the only two sisters on a subway cart in, you know, New York or Newark. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the nod, that recognition where even when nobody else sees us, we see us. Yeah. That's true. Janice, let's go to you. You are the founder of I Don't Do Clubs, the first website of its kind, promoting thousands of events for black professionals. How many of y'all have hit up one of Janice's events here? Everybody, everybody. What what are you grateful for? What's going in your journal? I'm grateful for hoop earrings. Yeah. Every black girl has them. I think I got my first pair at three years old, and I'll probably still wear them into my 50s and 60s. (laughs) 
Love it. Love it. Next up, Jamari Pinker, co-founder of Hella Cocktail Company, a craft cocktail company that's grown from a hobby to a nationally distributed premium food distributor. Jamari, what are you thankful for? I am thankful that black does not crack. Nope. Great. <laughs> right. Everyone, sir. That is a work. And last but not least, Melissa Butler. You are the founder of the Lip Bar, a Detroit-based beauty company yes. that is shaking up the industry with vibrant colors and quality products for all complexions. What are you grateful for? I am grateful for soul food. Mm. <laughs> it literally makes me happy. There is nothing like sweet potato pie and seasoning. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, So we want to kick off the conversation talking a little bit about black influence. That's why we're here. Did you in your respective businesses find yourself making a conscientious choice to target black consumers? um, If you made a choice to or not to, what was kind of the thinking behind that? Yeah, sure. So I started the Lit Bar in 2012, and it was really to challenge the beauty standard. And so for me, it was me entering this space where beauty was extremely linear. And so everyone thought that beauty looked like one specific thing, and oftentimes uh, black women weren't included in that, that tiny beauty box. So I specifically wanted to create a brand that would speak to that black woman and say, like, hey, your beauty is validated here. Yeah. For mine, definitely. Um, You know, I was a backpacker before I started this and was kind of like gallivanting around the planet by myself. And for me, it was not seeing other travelers of color, but just kind of knowing in my gut, like, I can't be the only person that looks like me doing this. And it wasn't just about the vacationers and people who had some time off from work, but like the people who really had travel as a priority in their life and who, you know, were putting that $20 a you know, a week or a paycheck onto the side to make sure that they were able to fulfill this need and get out there and see the world. And so for me, it was it was absolutely, you know, looking for people that were like-minded, but also had the same type of cultural background as I did. Yep. For me, it's um, a lot about going against the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from like a business background with certain degrees that put you in a certain space. Um, this allowed me to kind of, um, kind of jump from that pathway and express myself and my co-founder selves in terms of what the cocktail world should look like if we had our, our hands on the reins. And so yeah. it's, against, it's all about going against the grain, really. Yeah. Um, black people are all I know. I grew up in Atlanta. I went to HBCU. I worked at Ebony Magazine. So I just knew I'd target what I knew, which are black mm-hmm. consumers. And people like to go out and look like me and act like me. For sure. Now, I feel like as a community, we do, we're hard on each other. I feel like we hold ourselves up to a high standard. We're vocal about what we think um, should take place. Do you find that it's harder to um, cater to our community, or is that a misnomer? Janice, you look like you're (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, we're very hard on each other. We expect perfection. Uh, when I go to like a black restaurant, if I, if I have a bad experience, I'm not going to jump on Yelp because I know mm-hmm. that will mess up their sales. Right. But I don't think everyone gives that same courtesy. I think mm-hmm. we could be nicer, kinder, more patient. And email is just as good as jumping in someone's comments and being rude. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever find that you have to flatten your blackness to appeal to a wider audience? Or Oh, I- no. No? <laughs> but I mean... I don't do clubs for black people. If I right. start a new business, maybe, but this is what we are, black professionals, so I would never change anything about what I am or look like 
I think it. I think it actually depends on probably what industry you're in and what mm-hmm. age you step in that industry in, yeah. which gives you like more or, or less of that confidence and ability to maneuver in your mm-hmm. own skin. So when I was young, I was in corporate America and worked in a lot of banks, and it's very difficult to be yourself in that space 100% without having being ridiculed. But as time moves on, they kind of get an expression for who you are. It becomes easier. As you get older, you really start to have control over, you know, how you go about doing that and your approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's, there's a balancing act of it. Is it what we want? No, but I think more so in this day and age, people are looking for that authenticity for to sure. shine out. So it's a, it's a really fine line for you to figure out, like, where you can exercise that, yeah. that part yeah. of you in that moment and express it in that way. Um, but I think it's I think it's improving where they're looking for that. I think we yeah. talked about that backstage yeah. a little bit. How- I've gotten actually more aggressive with this as time has gone on. Um, I didn't know I was starting a business when I started No Madness. It could have stayed at the hundred people I threw in and not grown to almost twenty thousand, and I would have been none the wiser. Um, but I've gotten more aggressive on the corporate angle because now going for sponsorships and being able to assert myself and our numbers and what we what we bring to the table in the travel industry. I got booked last year for a keynote that really switched the game for me. Um, Destinations International is this big association that represents about 1,500 boards of tourism, um, primarily in the U.S., and I was a keynote at their big convention in Montreal, and that was the first time I had an entire white audience of 1,500 boards of tourism kind of eaten out of my hand. And they realized, you know, unapologetically who we are, why we're relevant. I think my TED Talk also put me in another area um, with people that don't necessarily look like us, but who are going to listen to what we have to say and pay attention to the fact that we're not going anywhere, you know, as a movement and as nomadness. And I've gotten more aggressive as mm-hmm. I've gotten older, more confident, and just more assured of what we bring to the table. The other yeah. thing to your point is about spending a lot of money. We're starting to, we're starting to be able to calculate and, and yeah. see what we're spending. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you start having that power. Um, mm-hmm. And people know that you have that power and that influence, and so people start paying attention to you, especially in the industries that are not hip-hop or fashion or places yeah. that we don't usually belong. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now yeah. it's, now it's like when you that. step into that room, they're like, you're one of one or one of ten or whatever the number is, so yeah. you have to influence. Yep. Yeah. You have to make sure they know who you are. And yeah. then kind of pay it forward, you know, yeah. like make yeah. sure that they know there's there's people behind me that's coming yep. through the door as For well. For the lip bar, we don't flatten the brand, but we certainly have to educate our mm. non-black customers because the reality mm. is there's no difference between a white woman's lips, an Asian woman's lips, a black woman's lips, but we create this you very diverse... Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Kylie. Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, I mean, we create this diverse imagery to yeah. show like this this um, wide scope of representation. Yeah. But when whenever we have like a dark skinned black woman as like the face of the lip bar, then customers who are non black women mm-hmm. feel like, oh, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I can't shop this. And then yeah. we we oftentimes have to have those conversations. Like, you know, why does this image? Why why is it off putting? Why right. do you now feel yeah. like you can't support mm-hmm. this brand? Yeah. Because black people shop with under white brands yeah. all the time without yep. question. That's yep. true. That's but and as you're moving in these rooms and catering to these audiences, you know, we touched on a little bit in the segment before, before about appropriation and culture, but that translates to business too. Mm-hmm. So when you're moving in these spaces, how are you protecting your ideas and your influence? Like, do you think about just like promoting your ownership of your ideas? I've trademarked everything. 
I have a lawyer. Whenever I have an idea, I go to him and say, hey, I want to use this title. I want to sell clothes with this or whatever I want to do with it. And then he goes forth and he trademarks it. We just don't protect ourselves. We see a lot of our ideas mm-hmm. elsewhere. And it's like, well, how did that happen? Because we didn't take the time to learn about how to protect our mm-hmm. ideas. And you can see all over the world, they're always copying us. Like, protect mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it can be a little bit more nuanced than that because I think a lot of times what's appropriated is the creativity, right? And a lot of our creativity mm-hmm. is born out of necessity. So when you have ideas that you didn't even know were, you know, something that could turn around and become like a major hit movie or a song or someone's art piece, um, and then it gets taken from you, it's, it's almost reactive. So how do you even go about sort of setting those lines and boundaries and figuring out what you need to protect and when? Google. <laughs> well, are you just talking about it in the scope of appropriation? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. The people that I've had take stuff from me have been people in my own community. Mm-hmm. That's real. Like, I haven't, I've never had, at least that I'm aware of, I've never had a white person try to, like, mimic <laughs> no madness. Mm. I don't think they would fare well in that <laughs> regard. But I've had a number of, you know, black businesses and, and people. You know, and how do that. you respond to that? You know, I've matured. <laughs> Back in the day, it was like off with their heads. Um, I've, I've matured because I trust myself and I trust the brand and what we've built. And understanding that somebody could, you know, kind of copy or try to mimic, you know, the outside and what they see, but they'll never have the internal, they'll never have my brain, they'll never have the people that I'm working with or the partnerships that I have. And I think... It's t- it took me, to be honest with you, Nomadis is about six and a half years old. It took about five years for me mm. to get to that point of trusting and not feeling like I had to go in and, like, you know, be like, you know, Neo in Matrix, like, trying to, you know, not catch these bullets <laughs> from all over the place, you know. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm an Aries, so I'm possessive by nature. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I've had words, you know, but I've also had to kick people out of my community. Like, sometimes it just gets real. Like, mm. you're not going to build you know, this while you're watching what's being built, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm all for everybody. I finally got to that point of just like really, I think, believing and not just giving lip service to the idea of like there's room and enough for everybody. Um, But it took me a long time to get there. I started this when I was young. And, And when you're building, you're protective. So you feel like everything is a threat. But once you've got some footing and you're like, okay, I've been here and I've rooted, now it's like, you know, try again. Like, there's so much going on that you're not even aware of. Yeah, but I mean, I love the power of social media yeah. and just, like, our collective voices, because if you even look at Dapper Dan and everything that happened yeah. there with Gucci, yep. I mean, it's it's the power of us being able to react, because a lot of times we don't have the infrastructure to elevate but I think, our I own think, content I think, and ideas. I think it's a similar point is that it's about execution. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm actually a big proponent of, like, sharing everything you know. Mm-hmm. Share your idea, because no one can copy it. No one has your yeah. mental IP. No one has the ability to execute the way you want to do it, right? Yeah. It's all the nuance, yeah. right? So your brand is built in the nuance. It's not built in steps one through ten. It's built in between those steps. Yeah. So, like, I believe in sharing as much as you can and getting all that feedback as much as you can. That actually saves you time, energy, resource, et cetera, et cetera. So I actually don't think that I want to protect too many things besides maybe, like, your logo. Mm-hmm. But your idea, if it's smart, guess what? Everyone's already done it or tried to mm-hmm. or is going to do it again. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, you know, like, protecting these these small points of it, it's about like, can you execute on a consistent basis yeah. your vision? Mm. If you can, then competition is great because all competition does to me is like, to your point about as, as many of um, travel associations that know you as possible, it's actually giving you, it's actually growing the pie. Yes. The pie is, is not finite. It is. And most people think like, the pie is finite. If I, 
If I share my slice, then, then I lose a piece. Actually, when you share your slice, the pie gets bigger. Yep. Right? So your, your yep. marketing is kind of like echoed by other brands and other people doing what you're doing. You just want to be on the top of that, of, of, of that ladder, right? Yeah. But that's all the execution, in my opinion. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I feel like all of you have businesses that were kind of born out of passions. How do you know what's that tipping point where you say, like, this is more than an idea. Like, this is something to like bring people onto to build into something bigger than just yourself. I think at any point your business can be in that place where you feel like, you know what, I should focus on it. It's really just deciding that your business. Mm-hmm. It's you being able to like see that paycheck that you're receiving from your nine to five as an opportunity cost to actually following your dreams. Mm-hmm. So it's that. really just a matter of putting yourself first and, and being a risk taker. I have a tangible moment when it clicked for me with No Madness, and it was funny. Um, no Madness was about three months old, not even, actually. I think we were about a month and a half old, two months old. And it was some random night, like a work school night, Tuesday, Wednesday night at around midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And everybody was like, you know, this is a travel group, so why don't we travel together? And I was like, mm-hmm. I just needed like people to talk to <laughs> like, that, that enjoyed travel. I didn't go into it again. I didn't go into it starting a business. I didn't know what this was going to turn into. Um, and I remember us, we had one member, Alex Hardy, who was at that time the only member we had in Panama. And he was really sarcastic, had a vibrant personality. And we were like, all right, fine, forget it. This is what we're going to do. We'll set up a trip. And we'll get like 16 people to go to this villa in Bocas del Toro, Panama. And that night at one in the morning, I swear, I dropped it in the group and was like, you know what, I'm going to go to sleep. And when I wake up in the morning, I'll see if anybody's interested in that thing. I watched in real time people snatch up, I'm going, I'm going, screenshots of flights from New York to Bocas del Toro started popping up. And I was like, wait a second. I turned around. I didn't get to sleep till almost 4.30 that morning because they took just this one idea that I had for this, and they just ran with it. And that started to happen in different scopes of nomadness over and over again. And it was the community and saying yes to them and using them as a focus group to see what they want that I was like, all right, if you guys have my back, I have yours. Let's see what happens. I agree completely. I think it's completely, you know, you're, you're driving consistency in an idea. But the community has to react and support mm-hmm. that idea. Yep. And once you have that like that stake in the ground of this is what I'm doing, you may pivot a few times, which is fine. But the community is helping you dictate where they need yep. you to be with your idea. Yep. Yeah. Right? So you may have a certain lip balm flavor or color. And they're like, actually, if you made it just a little bit more orange, mm-hmm. we're going to crush it. Right. And so you say, <laughs> OK, that makes sense yep. because the red's already taken. Yeah. So like, you know, like, <laughs> like the community will dictate and help you like navigate that like that that idea a little bit more so. So I think it's about, about that and then commitment to the idea. Right? Yeah. Commit to the idea. My, my moment was I was sitting in my, my cubicle back in, I don't know what year, 2008 before I go to business school, and I see an invoice for what they charged my services out 
some other corporate client. Mm. And it was like $3,000 or something for the hour. I was like, shit, I worked $3,000 for the hour? Yeah. And I was getting paid, maybe it was $350 an hour to me. Yeah. I said, wait a minute, there's something here. Mm. Right? So, like, you know, you put in that mindset, like, what, what your actual value is, and then trying to figure out how to turn it around with something that you, you care about once you commit to it. Like, you already know what's happening. Yeah. Right? It's already yeah. happening to you. In some, in some way, someone's charging your services already at some hourly rate to somebody else. Right. So you know you're, you're valuable, right? You know, you're, you know your baseline from now, right? Yep, that's true. So talking a little bit about the power of the black dollar, um, Janice, navigating nightlife, hospitality as a black woman, how have you sort of operated in that space? We know it can traditionally be challenging in general, but... Sure. I put everything in writing. Um, mm. People will always try to not pay you or say that you said something that you didn't say. So I always start every conversation with an email. They want to hop on a call. Hey, let's just do it on email first so we can figure out if we're on the mm. same page. Mm. Oftentimes when I go to other cities to host events, I have like a male friend with me and they automatically start to talk to the guy. I'm like, mm. he doesn't look like a Janice to me and I'll say that. And then they're all a little sh- shaken, you know, because they assume that the guy is in charge. I don't know why. My face is on email. And then usually we start, <laughs> <laughs> we can start from there, but I'm always assumed to be the assistant, not the owner, even though yeah. I am the complete owner of I don't do clubs. I don't share it with anyone. So it is challenging, but it just blows off my back now because it's been happening for so many years. Mm-hmm. So write it down. Okay, <laughs> write it down. Write that down. Um, and uh, Avita, I want to ask you too, just specifically about Nomad. Like the travel industry, Delta dragging people off planes, Airbnb can't get black people to get accepted into houses. It's just they're dealing with a lot mm-hmm. of issues. How are you servicing, filling that need? for black travelers? Um, I think the sense of community is really the big emphasis. You know, it's funny because when tri- when um, Trump, uh, some, when he got <laughs> elected, the day after he got elected, uh, somebody from skiff.com actually contacted me and was like, you know, we want a quote on how you think that his presidency is going to affect the, uh, you know, your industry. And I said, well, right now, I think it's going to make our community tighter because we need each other now more than ever, mm. you know, and, and it's flowing into some of the, you know, the new pieces of nomadness and things that we're going to be rolling out in 2018. And, um, and I think all of that kind of stuff is like intersected, you know, I think with, you know, we were in partnership with Airbnb even before Airbnb while black. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see um, kind of how they were dealing with it. And because of our relationship with them over the last couple of years, you know, like I really, you know, they, they had to shake up in-house, you know, and sometimes you just have, we were talking about this in the back. Sometimes you got to shake up your team. Mm-hmm. The CMO that they brought on board, Jonathan is amazing and used to work for Coca-Cola. He's like responsible for some of the dopest, like, you know, Super Bowl campaigns. Um, and and going and like speaking directly to and like making it an effort. You know, they got Janae Ingram on for national partnerships. She was um, the head of logistics for the Women's March. If you don't know who Janae is, she's dope. Um, they they had to start hiring. I actually last year met Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, and had a one-on-one conversation with him about this. And and what I dig with these guys is that they they admitted you know, that there was something in the DNA that was missing, and this isn't on their radar because they are not black. 
Yeah. You know, and so the team that they have in, I can say the team that they've put in place, I believe in them, you know, and, and they've been doing, you know, their work in that regard. But then you also talk about things like competition, like, you know, inclusive popped mm-hmm. up and inclusive, to be honest with you, the idea actually started in Nomadness. I remember when Zakia, one of the co-founders, she put the idea in Nomadness and I <laughs> wrote in the group, I said, this is such a good idea. You need to get this out of here and talk to an attorney because you don't know what resources people have in here mm-hmm. to launch this before you do. And that's when they ended up getting into that whole noir B&B, noir B&B thing. And so it's like you going back to protecting your stuff. Um, and so I think it, it's opened up a space for competition for the people that can bring it to them. Yeah. But I do think from what I know, and I know more than you know the average person, they have people in play that really care about about that and working with, you know, organizations and influencers like us and, like, they work with Blavity as well, particularly on Afrotech. Yeah, that's so important. I feel like it becomes apparent very quickly when Mm. there's just a veneer of diversity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, you need that thought, leadership, and presence in the higher yeah. ranks, and it makes a difference. You have to. And what I dig about them, too, is that they literally put me on panels to talk about them, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it can get uncomfortable, you know, for them, but you got to do it. And I'm not going to lie, so. Yeah. 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 I want to pivot to Jamari, too, because I feel like the spirits industry, mm-hmm. it's another place that has a veneer of diversity. Mm-hmm. Like, you see a lot of black celebs, like, and they all have their liquors, but when you think about, like, this billion-dollar industry, and the ownership, like further up the ladder, like are we there? Yeah. So how are you? How is your approach different? So I was talking about this backstage, and and, and you're right. Um, my approach is that I have to be in, in part of the part of the leadership of driving our messaging of who we are and what we stand for. The issue is that for black men, and I'm talking about black men right now, um, there's no roadmap. There's no roadmap for how you get to. Be Diddy, where you have a partnership with Ciroc, with Diageo, um, and how that machine works. What it looks like. How did you get from your project building in 1401, 36th Avenue, Ravenswood, Queens, to CEO of a company on a television commercial with your company? Like, how does that work? So my job, is part of my job, is to be here explaining how the roadmap works and what it looks like. What's the blueprint and what are the pieces you need to ascertain certain successes? And I think that's what's not there. Um, and inside that industry, it's really hard because the people that sometimes come from there are not cut from the same cloth, mm. right? Mm. So they don't, I mean, who's, who was saying that, um, I forgot who just, who just mentioned it, but they don't come from there, so it's not in their best interest. They don't, yeah. know, that it, they don't know that it's missing, yeah. right? So it's, it's up to the Jamari Pinkards of the, of the community to let them know you're actually missing this, and this is how we're going to plug it in. Yeah. Um, so this is why I'm here, right? Yeah. This is part of it. Well, Melissa, Fenty Beauty kind of shook up the the beauty industry and kind of showed us that this consumer is here, this consumer has been neglected and underserviced, and that's exactly what you're doing. Um, Do you think that that was a pivotal moment and shift in the industry or sort of just a passing moment? Um, Neither, actually. I don't think it's passing um, because, I mean, Rihanna is a huge name, and whenever a huge name stands for something, you know, it it shifts the culture a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I won't, 
I'm not going to act like it's new. Mm -hmm. So there have been brands creating, um, you know, very diverse ranges for women of color for years. Like, I mean, Iman. And then brands that aren't even black-owned, like Black Radiance and Black Opal. So I think in just the social media age where everything is amplified and intensified, you know, it gave Fenty Beauty this platform to, to really speak up and, and, again, stand for this idea that beauty looks like a variety of things. Um, but the idea of proof of concept mm-hmm. is super powerful because now it makes those fundraising conversations a little easier mm-hmm. because Fenty Beauty sold like $72 million within its first month, which right. is now the fastest-growing beauty brand <laughs> in the world. Like, <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> so people were going crazy over Kylie, which has done like $420 million in the past three years, and then yeah. Fenty comes in and really just by launching 40 diverse beauty shades, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. $72 million in one yeah. month. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, oh, but do you really need makeup for black women? Mm. Do you really need that yeah. representation? It was a constant question. Yeah. Whereas like people like the Lip Bar or AJ Crimson or just Beauty Bakery, brands that have been doing it yeah. for several years have had to fight tooth and nail just yeah. to say like, hey, guys. We are here, and and our consumer does spend money. Even though we know that black women spend nine times their counterparts on beauty. Like, black women are spending literally $10 billion on beauty every single year, but yet and still you have companies ignoring that industry. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great thing that they've that they've entered the market and and now it's giving rise to like smaller brands to really like carve out their lanes. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Now it's time for Ask Jaw Blogs. This is the wonderful segment of the show where we address your life and career questions. We mm-hmm. love this segment so much, and we love when you guys write us. If you have a conundrum or just want to pick our brains on our expertise, hit us up at jawblogs.com slash askjawblogs, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 929 We have a question in the inbox today. Yes. Our first question is, I've been job searching for two years now, and I'm struggling to find a position. I don't have a strong career network from college. How do I find a job when I don't have a strong network, and how do I ace interviews? I feel like this is one we get all the time. It is. Or a variation of it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Definitely go back. I think our whole show is really (laughs) like every episode we do is in some form or another about, you know, how to get a job, how to improve your network. But um, also just like focus in on what you want and make sure your resume and applications are all tailored to that. Yeah. If it's a project manager, does everything that you do read project manager? If not, what are the gaps you need to fill to kind of get there? Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as far as not having a network, like, you can always build a mm-hmm. network and kind of get out there, start going to mixers and different events any that are industry-related. Yeah. And just start, you know, making those connections. You know? Yeah. Networks don't kind of fall in your lap. No. It's a lot of active work. And it's, it's more follow-up. It's not ever about the first time you reach True. out to somebody. It's about the third or fourth time and after you go to drinks and after you go to coffee or whatever and build that organic relationship so Mm -hmm. and I think as far as the interview practice like if you need like a a buddy to just like run through the interview 
uh, you know, the questions are kind of always the same. Always the They're same. always the same. <laughs> so just make sure, like, you have that down. And if you need to rehearse it, yeah. you, know, you know what style works best for you. Some people just need some quick bullet points. Some people yeah. need to kind of script it out. So practice. Yeah. And ask. We always say ask a ton of questions, too. You're interviewing the person you speak with, too. But if you're not even getting to the interviews, you might also just want to audit maybe mm-hmm. what's not going well. So if you have... um a mentor or, you know, people who kind of are where you aspire to be. Or if you don't, maybe if you could reach out to someone on LinkedIn in your field and say, hey, you know, I've been struggling to find a role and you kind of are in the space I'd love to occupy. Would you be willing to do a quick audit of, you know, I'd love to improve and strengthen my profile. Would you be willing to kind of take some time to do a quick audit of maybe what I could do better? Um, Granted, that person may not give you a job immediately afterwards but that's okay because they're giving you something much more valuable yeah and i think that's such a great ask because i feel like someone is much more willing to just like you know an altruistic just like help someone yeah as opposed to feeling like you're asking like give me a job yeah you know transactional yeah i love that and also just make sure that you are really being honest with yourself about how hard you're going for this too it is very time consuming so like if you're not spending a couple hours a day sort of like reiterating your resume, getting apps out there, like it's a hustle for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a job within itself. Yeah. At least part time. So just make sure you're like, you know, you're doing what you can. But if you, you are and it's still not working out, then definitely try to get some feedback. Good luck. Keep us posted. For sure. Our second question today comes from a voicemail caller who writes, Hi, I just started a new job and recently took off from work due to an emergency. I texted my manager at 1 a.m. and let her know that I wouldn't be able to come in. She called me and texted me at 8 a.m. and I didn't respond because I'd been sick before on the job when I first started and she made a big fuss about it. She blamed me and asked me what I could do better to make sure it didn't happen again. She also tried to take me off the schedule and reprimanded me in front of the kids. So after being insulted that first incident, I hesitated to tell her anything because she's nosy. (laughs) When I came back to work after my most recent emergency, she asked for a meeting to discuss this on about five different occasions to find out what happened. I said it was a family emergency and I'd rather not say. She said she needs to know and feels like there's been a lack of communication for two or three months. I feel like she's discriminating against me. I'm not getting paid enough and I don't feel like I should have to deal with all this nosiness. This is my second job and it's helping me get more money, but I want a better job where I can be a supervisor and don't have to deal with these types of managers. Help. Okay, so uh, the thing about a soup, you have to bend yourself to the supervisor. Yes. Like each one is different. And I think when I start new jobs, I always have a period where I'm just kind of peeping how they move. Yeah. Because everyone requires different things. Some people are very chill and they're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And some people just need to, like, they need yeah. to know every yeah. step of the way. Yep. So it's like, it's not up to what you feel. Yep. It's up to their style. It's up to their style. And unfortunately here, I think you were a little wrong. Not in that you had a family emergency, but in the way you... Your lack of communication, rather, about it. Yeah. Because if you... If you're going to text me at one in the morning, one in the morning, that's urgent, right? So yeah. I, my human instinct kicks in. Are you okay? What happened? Like, are you good? Of course, I'm going to text you at 8 a.m. and be like, what's going on? How can I help? Like, take the time you need. But also, you got to let me know yeah. as a supervisor what happened. 
Yeah. Even if it's broad. Yeah. Yeah. You have to tell it. You have to give some type of explanation. Yeah. What's happening. This isn't like you took a personal day and like you gave her like 24 24 hours hours, notice. Like for that type of stuff, you can be very discreet. But if you're like just one out of nowhere before and then I text you and I don't hear back from you. Now I'm really concerned. Like, Right. So I think the lack of communication. Yeah, she has a point with the lack of communication. Yeah. And I feel like it's almost like, because you're saying stuff like, I'm not getting paid enough and I shouldn't have to deal with this nosiness. It sounds like you're kind of projecting your negative feeling. Maybe you just don't like this job. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's your second job, so maybe you're just, you're ambivalent about it anyway. Yeah. So you're not bringing the same consideration you yeah. would for your main gig to mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is your supervisor's main gig. Yeah. So she's going to approach it with the same energy that maybe you don't feel it warrants. But yeah. for her, like, it this, does this is it. her, yeah. this is her name. This is her work. That's so. an interesting perspective. Yeah. I mean, I really like your point, Courtney, just about bending to your supervisor. Because I think that's something a lot of us try to resist. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's just like, why is she acting like this? And why she said this and that? But it's true. You know, if she is nosy and you know that, then... You have to manage that, even if it's not writing her a four-page letter about what happened that day. You know that when you come back into the office, you got to sit down with her and say, hey, I'm really sorry about how that went down earlier this week. You know, I had a, a death in the family or whatever the case, whatever the situation was. I I wasn't comfortable chatting about it. But and moving forward, I'll try to be more yeah. communicative and more transparent with you and give you as much notice as I can. Um but, you know, here's how it went down. Like, she she just needs Yeah, you have that. to manage up. Like, yeah. it's just as much work. Like, the manager-employee relationship, it's a two-way street. Mm. So it's not just someone telling you what to do. It's mm. also you, like, subtly kind of maneuvering yeah. this person. Yeah. So you can do what you want to do. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of recognize that. And until you get that better job where you are a supervisor... You're going to have to manage someone how they manage you. So you got to deal with it. Yeah, so definitely communication. And then to your latter point of how you kind of get out of that role, um, you know, I would say just be, just check yourself. Don't burn a bridge or jeopardize Mm -hmm. the relationship because you don't feel great about it. Because like you said, it is getting you more money right now and you don't want to ruin that relationship. Um, But if you want more strategic, more supervisor roles, you just kind of have to step up. Like, be more strategic, build a strong network of r- references and advocates who really can speak to your work ethic and your leadership and, you know, push you and propel you and keep an eye out for you for opportunities like yeah. that. And just start to behave at the level you kind of want to be at. So. Yeah. so we're going to send a prayer for you <laughs> that you don't snap on this lady. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. So much for tuning in and reliving just beautiful moments from Black History Month with us. Yes, keep it going. As always, you guys know you can connect with us around the web at jobblogs.com, at jobblogs. Mm-hmm. I'm Hamas Parker. I'm Cleve Out Loud. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 